0: Red 10 standing by. Red 9 standing by. Red 3 standing by. Red 6 standing by. Red 9 standing by.
1: You're listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast. Laugh it up, Fuzzball. Your source for entertainment
0: reviews from a galaxy far, far away. This
2: is it.
1: laser Welcome to the Ion Cannon Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen, and I'm joined by my friends and co hosts, Tom and William. Today, guys, this is a such an exciting episode. It is the foundling of our podcast today, I think, right? That, no. Like the, the first. No, one, the, the, no, no, you no. Pushed it. No. You tried.
2: <laughs> you tried. Although it was I, short.
1: I don't. Uh, this this doesn't seem right.
2: Oh. I don't see a problem here. No, I, I I I don't I don't think so. You tried. Good shot though. Okay.
1: Well, it was worth a
2: shot. Yeah.
1: Well, okay, Tom, what are we reviewing today if you want to be less funny and cool (laughs) compared to my very clear and concise intro?
2: I know I'm I'm a little bit boring, but today we are going to be reviewing chapter 20 of The Mandalorian titled The Foundling, directed by Carl Weathers and written by Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. In this episode, Din Djarin returns to The Hidden Mandalorian Covert but a yeah. lot more happened than just him returning to the covert.
0: Yeah, I think this kind of episode I feel like continues the trend of trying to showcase Grogu's growth, I feel mm-hmm. like or, or I feel like they're really trying to show that he's he's getting older, right? There was actually something I completely missed until my wife actually pointed out to me uh the next time we were on our after our second viewing um she mentioned that she knows like at the beginning of the last episode Grogu is you know Mando and um, Bo-Katan are both talking and you know I think it was Bo-Katan says this is the way they're talking about going back to or how he hasn't taken his helmet off yet or whatever mm-hmm. uh, She you know she says this is the way he says this is the way and then it kind of pans to Grogu and it's like uh, 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 and it's almost like he's trying to say this is the way you know mm-hmm. I hadn't. I hadn't caught that uh, it last when we were before we reviewed last time, um, and I think this this episode again. Like we got a little hint. He's starting to speak at the premiere. It sounded like he was trying to form words last week. This one, he's actually like training now. So I, we're really trying to show more growth for mm-hmm. him in this in this episode, and it, well, as well as telling an, a neat Mandalorian story for all of our all of us Mando fans.
2: Mm-hmm. And I I think the one thing that will They've said that he is going to talk at some point. I do believe the first words out of his mouth will be, this is the way. It seems it's only obvious that's, other than, yeah, that's hey, Dad, point. take your helmet off. You know? <laughs> yeah, t- take your helmet off. Yeah. But yeah. no, it's, he, he's he's going to say this is the way because, again, in this episode also, when the one youngling was asking why Grogu wasn't wearing a helmet, uh came back with, because he can't say the creed. Well, mm-hmm. and I think they're setting up that for him to get. I don't know if he's going to get a helmet, but he is going to at some point start reciting or at least some kind of thing about the creed will come out of his mouth.
0: Yeah, I, I think I think I think you're right. I, I did like how they talked about how he you know, so we talked about in you know previous episodes, how we have this, this challenging contrast the show has to balance where on the one hand. Grogu is a he's a small he looks like a baby in many ways he can't really talk he kind of coos a little bit and yet he's 50 years old and we know that you know we don't really know a whole lot about yoda species and so maybe they age more slowly maybe maybe they can you know think a, a lot more advanced than a you know a human baby for example even if they act you know in some ways like their their abilities are 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 more equivalent to a, a human baby there's a lot we don't know and they have to straddle that balance but it seems like they're trying to explain that a bit more in this episode and and, and show that no even if grogu can't form words yet and as, as a result can't like speak the creed and wear are therefore need a helmet he he does know what's going on and he has is fairly capable as we see in the training i don't know St- steven thoughts there I know that's one thing you've been particularly
1: uh, uh yeah, I just, frustrated. I by. I don't want to go too deep down this because I feel like I've done this like the last three episodes basically. <laughs> it still just feels off to me. Um, like I'm watching like a puppet do acrobatics. And I it's mm-hmm. just missing, and I guess I, I'm describing original Yoda in episode five as well. Um I don't know. I just I struggle with it still. Like he does. Kind of seem to understand it, but he seems to understand things in the way, like I said, when they're like kind of like a baby does. He doesn't, I don't get the sense that he has a full uh, understanding of events or the world around him, which makes it hard to believe when he, like, you know, does a flip over a kid and then shoots him three times. Um, which, by the way, seems to like violate the rules of the whole event or whatever. But, <laughs> I, was, I was wondering yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah it's
2: but, like, yeah, right. you gotta say, the placement of those three shots. We're perfect though
1: yeah can we talk about like what are the so grogu goes through his his first duel um my read is that like they're doing it in rounds and like Um. it's kind of like fencing where anytime you get a touch you stop reset i don't actually know how fencing works i assume this is how fencing works um but you stop reset and then you know continue um and instead we just see grogu like do his flip and then fire all three shots. And like maybe it's meant to be that what's the kid? It's Raggar, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like maybe Raggar was just being arrogant and like was stopping after each shot, but I do not understand the rules of these challenges. And okay, I well, something something seems weird.
2: Okay. Well, remember, uh Din Djarin did warn him. It's like maybe this, maybe this lesson is for you because the kids sat what? there like all cocky, going blah 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 blah. Why blah blah, blah blah blah. And totally. said, well, Maybe maybe you 100%. need to learn the lesson. Yeah.
1: So but let's look at the rules of the game and the duel, Tom.
2: Okay, so but, the but two square off, the okay. judge
1: tells them to go, the kid True. shoots Grogu once, and then they stop, and the judge right. calls a point. Yeah. They reset, right. they do it again. Kids get shoots Grogu once. Judge stops it, calls a point. Third round, Grogu flips over the kid, shoots him three times, and then he's just one.
2: Well, yeah. yeah because I, well okay but but i'm gonna defend grogu in this case the rapid succession that he he fired those shots i mean who's to say the kid couldn't have done the the exact same well, but, thing but
0: ragnar i mean ragnar should should have and could have he, and he should would have, have be grogu yeah, oh, yeah.
1: <laughs> i don't disagree oh, yeah, with steven and,
2: yeah and, I, and no, I, it's,
1: I, I, he seems I, to be operating under a rule where the judge like calls the point after each shot and it's right. a competition that right. way right right yeah
2: because so, like no, he clearly didn't think much of Brogu. I
1: don't believe he would have like shot only once to prove a point. Like he would have shot three times and walked off. Like right. that was very clearly mm-hmm. the the mentality. No, I, so I, I think you're right. So
0: it's like whoever strikes first, and you call the point and then you start over, you reset. Right. And you don't you go again, and yeah, he definitely seems exactly. to. So my point here is, violate Rogu, those rules.
1: <laughs> he cheated. who violated the rules of the game and should be <laughs> <Right>. disqualified. <laughs> and I don't understand why the judges didn't call it. I'm just saying the judges, I think they were a little biased. Okay. Yeah. Okay.
2: And I gotta I just, say, I gotta say, you have a, you have a point because we did see two mandos fighting earlier with viber blades, and they did get to a point to where one of them did best the other, and the judge said, point, and then reset. So well, exactly. Exactly yes
0: uh, yeah um and so you know as the judge i'm gonna say steven has the point here no um the next
1: round let's go let's go let's go
0: uh no but i think <laughs> okay i got you uh, in an ideally and i know it would have made the episode a little bit longer but it would have been fun to see him you know like he this is the first time he's ever fired darts and it was it was adorable to see him like put the giant you know uh, uh you know gauntlet on him and everything it was it was cute. Um, can, can you
2: can you just see that now at Galaxy's Edge where you're going to see a Grogu doll somewhere and he's going to have that little dart thing on his wrist,
0: right? And they're basically playing paintball, right? It's yes, it's, it's yeah. great. It, it's great. The th- what I would have loved though to see a, it, instead of just being like, oh look, he he's never done this before. He gets shot twice and he instantly gets the hang of it and boom, you know, he's he's able to go. Um, he, and he does it like three times in one shot, it would have been really interesting to see him like struggle a bit more. And maybe, yes, he has the force and everything, but maybe he has, you know, the, he, he gets hit twice. Right. And then he, he kind of gets that point and then maybe he barely misses, right. He's able to dodge it the last second. You know, uh, he gets a point like Ragnar almost gets a point and then he got like, struggles and gets two. you know, seeing him go through all three rounds to kind of come back, uh, instead of just winning so easily, I feel like would have added a lot more to the scene. Ultimately, than like just having yeah. him win so easily. Right. It's like, I think, yeah.
1: Sorry. I was gonna say the other thing I think I would add William, like this, you're crystallizing something for me, which I think is part of my issue with like the believability of Grogu. Um, like there's the scene, you know, later on where the armor, you know, calls him to walk into the cave with her. Um, and, I feel like they're kind of hitting the limits of what the current Grogu puppet for lack of a better word is, is able to do. Um, I agree. They do a lot with the face, but he always has this kind of like weird waddle. Um, Mm -hmm. And like, and same with the flip, like it's, um, I, it kind of feels like he's got a head, which is expressive. And then his body is just a box underneath the robe. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, to be clear, it may be that underneath the robe. I don't actually (laughs) know, but it, you're losing a little bit of the I'm gonna say humanity at the 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 Yoda itty I don't what, what <laughs> whatever the right word is but like I think it's kind of undercutting what the message they're yeah. trying to sell when he is always in the crib because you know that looks better or when you don't like it's just like oh this I know what you're trying to do but it does I'm not getting that lively you know type of feeling that you want to see yeah, mm-hmm. that's a, that's an interesting point. I think I like. I don't the walk. The walk
0: doesn't. You 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 do make a good point. He can't move around as much. His walk does not bother me quite as much just because it's more adorable than anything else. But the jumping, as neat as it as it as it is, and it's very much like Yoda in, mm-hmm. in Attack of the Clones. I love that amazing scene. Right. It, it in this show, it felt more like he. Just jumped over Ragnar's head and then went right back to the starting point and then fire like it seemed a little cheesy I guess and the way it was done more than like him jumping around a couple times maybe getting a different angle or he just went I'm gonna go to one side I'm gonna go right back to the other side and then I'm gonna shoot you again and that it just felt a little a little off yeah I way. think this is
1: an issue with the episode as a whole like there's it had a couple of moments where the cutting felt off mm-hmm. uh, like the editing did and I think this was one of them yeah
2: yeah. And I, I can see your point. It would have been better to have him jump once, jump back, do the first shot. That if you wanted to do it in quick succession and win the game instead of having it called, he could have jumped somewhere else, done another shot, another some another spot, another shot, instead of all three shots from one spot. Yeah,
0: exactly, yeah. exactly. But, you know, that said, I still I still enjoyed the sequence. While, yes, there are some flaws, and I think I'm maybe a little more, um, I, I like some of the I like I I tend to like Grogu quite a bit, and so I think I'm maybe more forgiving of certain things like that. Um but I like how they're starting to show him grow up a little more. They're starting to show him, you know, learn how to train or he stays behind and talks with the armor. We'll talk about more about that in just a minute. Um and even they even hint, you know. Like, I mean, they explain why he's not wearing a helmet, which when you think about it's odd, right? He's the only person in this entire covert who's not wearing a helmet right now. And their explanation is, well, if you can't talk, you're too young, then you can't wear a helmet, which is also, I liked, I liked Mando's burn there um, with Ragnar, but I suspect, and I don't want to, I don't I want to know what you guys think. I suspect he will be, he will wear a helmet at least just for one episode, by the end of the season he'll probably talk and 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 wear a helmet maybe the helmet comes in I, by the end season two but i i do think he will wear a helmet eventually even if it's just for one I, episode because i don't think they could do it forever i don't think they would want i to.
1: don't i disagree because this is episode four of the season right of yeah. four mm-hmm. eight. i suspect our finale will be his first words Yep. i agree Not and the helmet yeah, will be uh, next season. i agree that, that makes i think sense. we're yeah. a little too close to get the full helmet i could see that yeah, yeah i think either and, way and,
0: when he gets the helmet, I think it'll only be for like one episode because they they don't want to keep put a helmet on his adorable face. Uh, and so it'll probably be that one episode where you get the cute shot of him wearing a Mandalorian helmet. And then maybe that episode after that, they realize, oh, we don't need to wear these helmets. It's a silly rule in it, or something. Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Well, but, I, we'll see. I, yeah. My well, I mean, this gets into a lot of the stuff with bo as well, which I'm going to leave aside for a moment. I expect <laughs> we'll see some changes on the Mandalorian side.
2: Oh, I, think, I think we have I, to, especially when it comes to Bo-Katan. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, my expectation at this point is uh, I wonder if we're going to get either a time skip of some kind or some other kind of like Grogu, go, grows, Gro, God, Grogu goes through uh, like puberty or whatever mm-hmm. the equivalent is for Yoda mm-hmm. species and we get either a diff- different puppet of some kind or... I feel like we're headed that direction. I least. do too. And I, it is. Yeah, it I is,
0: agree. It's challenging for Disney because I'm sure on the one hand they don't want to grow yep. up Grogu because everyone loves him, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I think they're making very clear strides toward that. Now, again, he's already 50 years old. He's still a baby. So unless he has some sort of very quick growth, I don't even think a time jump of you know 50 years would really age him that much yeah and then on top of that you gonna have to grow
1: everybody else around him i don't think it needs to be huge my bigger what i'm expecting is they'll they need to move him from the current baby model they have now to something that's a little bit more toddler yoda uh what toddler yoda (laughs) yeah maybe (laughs) i'd argue he's currently Todd though they need like it's true yeah yeah I don't know, eight-year-old preschool effectively. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like just something that's a little bit more feasible. Um is I, I I think that's the missing piece right now. Um, and I suspect we may get that next season. I don't think it'll happen this season, obviously. No. no. I mean, and there's precedent for that, right? We saw Ahsoka age throughout the Clone
0: yep. Wars. Mm-hmm. Yep. This is a you know, they do this with these characters, and actually every, you know, three four seasons is pretty typical for that. Um, but yeah, they have to strike that balance of how do they retain what everyone loves about Grogu without while also growing him up. And I think given how much he's been growing up in this season, you know, as you said earlier, Steven, my, my bet is he says his first word and then we cut, you know, they cut to black or something. And then next season he's grown up a little bit and um, and is already maybe talking a bit more or something.
1: Yeah, that, that would be my expectation, but but we'll see. Yeah. Um, how did you guys feel about Grogu getting his first piece of armor and his story time with
2: the armorer? I, I, when it comes to the flashback, and I know we're getting a little bit tired of always watching the Order 66 uh, constantly being replayed, I think in this case, it actually works because now he figured out how he was able to get out of the Jedi Temple safely. And I really appreciated the one Jedi who saved him because I think that is very fitting for Amon Best to come back and play Killian Beck and be the Jedi who took Grogu out of the Temple and saved him. I think Mm. I appreciated that like you would not believe.
0: Oh, it's, it's, it's a whole flashback. It's perfect. You know, yes, I, it is. we've been wanting to know how Grogu survives order 66. Right. And I think this, it doesn't give us the whole story, but it gives us a decent amount. I suspect we'll still get more in flashbacks, but right. having being able to see flashback to, you know, I think Grogu has been remembering, right? Even Luke mm-hmm. says when he's training, uh, Grogu in Book of Boba Fett, that it's more like Grogu's remembering than he is, than Luke is actually training him. And these memories are coming back, and now he's starting to remember Order Sixty Six, and that is the moment. And so that, that kind of gives us an ex, a reason to go back, and you know he's as he's with the at the forge with the armor, kind of these memories mm-hmm. are being uncovered, and that is the point when he remembers what happened to him. And yeah, as you said, Tom Ahmed Best coming back to play Kelleran Beck is just it's perfect because he, the guy got mm-hmm. so much hate for Jar Jar. And I love, I love Jar Jar. Right. And, and so seeing right Keller on Beck playing, or i best playing Keller on Beck, you know, it's, it's great. It's so good. Um, yeah. And he, and he deserves to play a character that is, that is the hero of the, yes. of, of Grogu. Right. Yep. It's great.
2: Well, just, just a hero period. But the other thing I, I appreciate, I'm going to tie into the whole thing. I appreciated how they helped him, Grogu, do the flashback mm-hmm. because you're sitting here watching him get his piece of armor and you're seeing all, you know, the 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 hitting and basically the quote unquote violence, if you want to look at it from that point of view, of creating that armor, the pounding, the sparks, all that stuff. And with that kind of thing going on in the background, that would kind of trigger him remembering the Order 66 because of the violence that was going on then. The blaster fire, the the lightsabers uh deflecting the blaster fire. And it was a good it, it was a good blending of the two.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Because it's also showing that at this point that once he gets saved by Amon Best, he's actually at that point he grew he he got a, but now at this point he's growing and he's getting his first piece of armor this way to protect him, like Killer and Beck protected him getting out of the temple. Now he's getting a new piece of armor to protect him mm-hmm. in the real world.
1: Yeah.
0: Steven, what did you think of the return of Ahmed Best?
1: No, just, I mean, I don't know what else there's to add. It was just <laughs> fantastic, you know? Like, yeah, just huge points to, you know, the crew for bringing him back and giving him a great role. Like, yeah, yeah. I just loved it. <laughs> I, it the, and the,
0: the what made it even more cool was that, this isn't the first time we've seen on Beck, right? He Absolutely. he was the host of the 2020 game show on Star Wars Star Wars.com's, you know Star Wars YouTube channel, uh, called Jedi Temple Challenge. It was designed, you know, aimed at younger kids, and they had this, you know, it's it's not canon at all, but they had this, you know, Jedi Master basically training the kids in this show, and it was Ahmed, it was hosted by Ahmed Best, and he, he created this character named Kellaran Beck. And so to see them like bring Kellereron back into Canon at this point, uh it's just it's even it makes it even more even more cool. i I just loved it it's it's awesome.
1: yeah, hundred percent. um okay, totally
0: agree. We, we need to talk about the the escape though, right? so they Kellereron Beck he he grabs grogu like they they put have grogu go down the elevator, which by the way, I was a little sad they called it an elevator and not a turbo lift, but okay, whatever. Um the good
2: catch. I didn't catch that for the three times I've watched it.
0: Yeah, yeah. Um wow. that's okay. It was so cool. Right, they so Grogu goes down the, the uh elevator, sees you know, meets up with Kelleran back, they hop in the, the speeder bike, which was just awesome to see as well, and they have this great chase through Coruscant including, like, you know, the, the Ladeye just, like, shooting indiscriminately, kill you know, trying to take out the Jedi. Um, you know, they, they, they go through Monument Plaza from last week, which felt a little bit convenient, but, okay, whatever. Um, and- hey, if
2: they can cut down uh, costs on a set, And you've already got it built. Why not?
0: That's true. Also, I think this only further reinforces my. Well, last week's episode was really cheap to produce because they had to do it for the sixty-six flashback anyway. Um, And then, uh, and then they arrive at this landing pad with a Naboo yacht, Nubian each type Nubian yacht, and guarded by Naboo royal guards who help them escape off world. And I want to ask you guys, like, okay. Kaloran back says they're his friends, right? He has some friends helping him. Who is it? Like, it it's, it's probably, it can't be Padme, because right now, this is during Order 66, she's at her apartment staring off at the Jedi Temple in flames, wondering what if Anakin is all right, right? And she's about ready to hop on her her identical, but not clearly not the same, Nubian yacht, and fly off to Mustafar the next morning, you know, once Obi-Wan goes and talks to her.
1: So uh,
0: I, don't, I don't know. I, that so many questions. It's
1: not Padme, though. Because you're like, it, let's think about what we know about Padme. Like, she was absolutely a friend of the Jedi, and when she's looking at the temple, I don't think she's looking at like, yeah, I'm glad the Jedi are dying. Like, she's she would be concerned about it, and if she had friends in the temple, I feel like she mm-hmm. would want to help them, assuming that Anakin is amongst those in danger.
2: Yep. yeah i I do
1: think it is padme
2: i guess i mean yeah yeah who who could it be other other than other than one of her let's say her handmaidens
0: or it
1: could
2: be typho uh,
0: or it could it could be or my my leading theory is it jar jar
2: well jar jar is from naboo Okay, also, also, somebody did online, if you want to believe online, supposedly the ship that Keller and Beck and Grogu escaped on, supposedly was the same ship that was flown by Jar Jar, I think, in one of the Clone Wars episodes. Oh, that's true, Somebody right? pointed He did, out. he did, yeah. yeah.
0: And it's it's also the exact same ship that, that Padme flies the next morning, right? And so I doubt it's Padme's ship, because that wouldn't make any sense. Jar Jar's well, ship could make ship. sense. Yeah. It could, yeah, I mean, oh, no, actually, no, because Padme does, sorry, Padme does not fly that ship off to Musafar. She flies, um, it's the longer wings, the really wide wings. So, no, she, that's the one she flies in Attack of the Clones. So, yeah. yeah
1: or, that, or a similar model.
0: Or, or exactly, yeah, the, the type of ship. So, I don't think it's necessarily the exact same, but actually, no, because she lands it on Genosis, It's probably gone. But, yeah, actually, I could see that. You're right. Jar Jar does fly that ship in the Clone Wars. It's,
1: can, I think it's Jar Jar. Can you imagine if next week the episode kicks off? We get a flashback with Grogu and it's, you know, you see Grogu coming up to the cockpit and just Jar Jar turns and is like, We still gonna get you to safety. Hello, Mordos.
2: <laughs> but I tell the, you honestly, the safety. But, but it's only fitting. I mean, I it would, really is. I love it, it, it really that they're tying would. in all of Amadeus characters. It's great. Yes. I love it. It it is it is so perfect. Uh
0: oh, it's it's amazing, and yeah, it's really cool. I, I I yeah, you're right. I think it just cements the Jar Jar theory there. If it's because that would make sense, he did fly that same ship. Ah, oh, it's so good.
1: It's so good. And
0: I, mm-hmm. Do you think we'll see more of what happens?
1: I, I doubt we see any more this season.
2: I I agree. It's not it's not so much that I'm getting tired of seeing the order 66 constantly being replayed from different angles, but it may get to a point to where how much more of this can you tell without people getting fatigued?
0: Yeah, but I mean, I, so I think there's definitely an interest. I think they will continue to show it over time, but you're right. I think it's, that's it for the season. I feel like it's going to be a very slow burn where we get a little bit more of Grogu's escape story every season as it goes on. Maybe he remembers more because eventually we find out. We do, they, I'm assuming they will eventually tell us how he ended up in the Empire's hands, right? Like why well, why was he in the possession or you know why did why did the Empire want him
2: mm-hmm. so? How did they bad? find out about him? How did yeah, they how find did out they about find him?
0: Out. Yeah. Why was he in? You know, why did the Empire send a bunch of bounty hunters after him? Right, and how did he get to that spot? I think they will tell us over time. But it'll be a slow series of, of flashbacks. So we'll see. But anyway, it, it's cool that you know I, I love the whole sequence, and I, as you said, Tom, it's it's great to see him get a, a another piece of armor uh, again with the the mudhorn sigil, like his like his like his dad. Um, and I don't know the it's, it's cool. Right. You know, I, I thought at first he was going to be, they're making him a helmet, but it's just a, a rondel.
2: It seems out of everything we've seen the armor make, it's always been one of the, the, the shoulder pads. Cause she did it again for Bo Katan. Mm-hmm. She's done it for the Mandalorian. It's interesting how he gets the roundel on his chest he, I, But then again, it makes sense. He's too small to have that thing on his shoulder. So I guess for him that makes sense. But the thing I find fascinating, though, when she put it on his chest, did you guys also catch the sound effect of it like activating?
1: No, I, did I didn't catch the sound effect, but you definitely hear a lot of like there's a lot of circuitry on the back of it, which I yep. frankly don't understand, but I don't
2: understand it either. Yeah. Which which also goes against what she told Bo Katan, when Bo Katan was getting her shoulder paddled and put back on, the armor said, "We don't. In so many words, we're we're more a backwater, you know, foundry here. We don't have the modern technology we can for the one that you just lost."
0: Mm-hmm. But I I liked how you know the the forge has been such a big piece of the show. But it, I think when the series started, it just felt like. It, You know, it was just someone who was making armor, really, right? You don't really know Mm -hmm. the significance of it. And so I liked how in this episode, the armor tells Grogu how the forge is like the heart of the Mandalorian culture, right? And they, they shape themselves just as the Mandalorian steel is shaped. And, you know, they start as raw ore and they refine themselves through adversity and trial. And I thought that was really nice. And it kind of ties in why they keep going back to this forge all the time right? It's not just to make armor. It's like, it actually is the heart of their culture. And that's why the armor is effective effectively. They're the leader, at least of the the watch.
1: So that was nice. Yeah. I always like when we get back to see the armor doing her craft.
0: Yeah. She's so good too. Like she just adds a lot of, uh, just kind of, it just, it's, it's her. The, so, the scenes are always so good.
2: <laughs> she adds a lot of character, but she also adds a lot of mystery too. Exactly exactly um
0: but okay let's 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 change gears for a minute and talk about that raptor attack so we in the premiere we saw um i don't know if it's that where they're where they're living or just ragnar has bad luck but you know uh ragnar I don't is getting recommend
1: it to be clear
0: yeah like clearly this covert is not very safe and in, in particular ragnar needs to watch his back because you know, he was being initiated in the season premiere and that giant dinosaur turtle comes out of nowhere. And this episode, he, he, after he loses the duel to Grogu, which admittedly Grogu, I think cheated on, uh, you know, he walks away a little bit and, <laughs> and he just gets picked up by this giant winged raptor and, uh, out of nowhere, it just snatches him and flies him off.
1: It is not a safe place. This beachhead.
2: Mm-mm. Well, that's no, why they're hiding
1: not. in a cave it's not just that they talk about how the Raptor has come before and killed Mandalorians. Cause That's they true. know that
2: shooting mm-hmm. it yeah. will kill its captive. Well, even when you took a look at the and, nest, there was a helmet in the nest.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But what that means is they're choosing to stay there. Yep. where They are regular being snatched up by a giant flying Raptor thing that then disappears which, beyond the range of their jetpacks.
2: Which is a fascinating thing because you just mentioned a very good point. They, they, the the Raptor disappeared beyond the range of their jetpacks, yet how are all those Mando's getting there? They must have a ship somewhere. Sorry, getting where? Getting to the planet. Oh yeah, they have ships, but the yeah, I but, think it just takes okay, too well, long. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but 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 that's my thing that I'm getting uh, my I'm getting at. Okay. So the Raptor takes the kid. They're sitting there, which I have to say, that whole fight thing with the Raptor and them flying was totally so fun to watch. But they get to a point to where they start losing fuel. They end up like one after another falling out of the sky, and and Paz turns to to Din and says, "Always they end up past our range, and he knows that we run out of fuel at this point." And screaming above is Bo-Katan and her ship, following. You know the, the, the only raft, one smart which,
0: enough to get in the ship.
2: <laughs> right, and, and that's my point. If now it looks like the 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 covert has gotten bigger from the last time we've seen it. Where are all these Mandalorians coming from if basically there's only one ship that can fly as far as that raptor can go to go rescue that kid? Which, by the way, admittedly, that one shot in the sun mm. of the raptor, the raptor, wasn't that the most beautiful shot you've seen so far in yeah, the season? Yeah,
0: that's got to be a yeah. – it's not an homage to what, what, one of the cl- classic war movies. I forget which one. But, yeah, I'm pretty Apocalypse sure it's, Now? Yes, that's it. That's the one. Yeah, that's yeah, the one. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
1: Good job, Tom. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, they thank continue you. to just do an amazing job with the, all of the ships. And I, every time we see, um, I'm looking at what you call bo ship. I feel like it has a name. Oh, the Gauntlet. Like, thank you. Like every time we Gauntlet see it, just
0: yeah.
1: A plus. Love it.
0: Yeah. I also like how they actually deal with the limitations of the jetpacks. Right. You you can't fly that far with. You know, they, they they're great in short distances, but ultimately mm-hmm. you will run out of fuel. And it's kind of cool to to see that as well. I liked it.
2: I think I appreciated they finally explained that because every time you've seen a Mando flying, you've never seen them really run out of fuel.
0: Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Bokatan, she she puts together a hunting party to go out go after Ragnar and the and the Raptor. And um then and this is the it was a little bit of an odd choice. Like they they end up flying the next I don't know, later in the day, I guess, um, landing really far away, hiking quite a ways, which I guess the noise the ship would scare the raptor. Uh, and then it's dark, so they just decide to make
1: camp. And they're like, "Ah, Ragnar, he's I'm sure he's fine, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> We're just gonna wait till the morning." I, it's really not clear what happens to Ragnar as well. Like even when they finally get up there, like I'm trying to remember wh- oh. where does Ragnar show up? He was, uh, like, in, he, out- he, was he was in the raptor. Was,
0: the the yes. raptor coughed him up like a bird, you know, feeding yes. its, re- its younglings.
2: And he was and he was still alive. Yeah. She re- regurgitated him. He's sitting there by his leg yelling, help me.
0: Yeah. And she like tried yeah, to I, Yeah. Yeah.
2: I just, I have
1: many questions. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> I it's lucky he survived, but it it was, it was a cool it was a cool sequence for sure. Um and also the just the shot of them climbing up that the cliff, you know, uh, with their la- extended lariats and just kind of basically rock climbing all the way up. It was, it was
2: cool, you know. I, I, yeah, I appreciated one of the Mandos when he put the lariat up there. It hit the rock, and he did that jump from one side to the other. There was a point in which I'm like, okay, one of these guys is going to have to fall. One of these guys is going to have to activate their jetpack so they don't die. And I, I thought it was going to be action sooner than what actually happened that that's what uh, i was expecting
1: you know what the thing i was most impressed by and I, it's exactly what you're talking about tom like so the crew like gets there we we've got our our people that are going to be involved you know in the rescue of ragnar i'm like okay we've got uh paz Vizla, awesome we've got uh bo-katan great we've got uh dinjarin great and oh we have three randoms i th- i think i know what's happening to them uh, and i don't think they died right like they not that i recall at least i think they lived yeah they survived yeah i don't i don't think anybody died like that's that's impressive good job yeah. like red shirts effectively right like <laughs> right <laughs> um but before we get into the final battle i i think one of the things i really appreciate as well is the in the campfire scene when they're all passing out dinner the rations mm-hmm. And I love the shot of A, them recognizing Bo Katan as the 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 war party leader. Um and I really, really appreciated her look around as everyone goes off and th- that moment of where, you know, she's she hasn't quite drank the Kool-Aid, so to speak, on yep. the cult. Um, I think she's recognizing the strengths of the culture they built, but I mm-hmm. you just know that like, what I feel like we should be talking about like stories of
2: our mm-hmm. ancestors
1: in battles here, not going off to eat in the dark.
2: She, you could tell she felt uncomfortable and alone. She was look, in my opinion, she was looking for that camaraderie you would get around a campfire like that with people that you are supposed to be going into battle with basically sharing stories. Yeah. And then to sit there and watch them all go off in this quote unquote hiding places, you could tell she was uncomfortable. Yeah. Oh
0: yeah. And you know, and you think in so many cultures, Most around almost the whole world, right? Sharing a meal is such an important time to be together, and you know, get to know each other and all that kind of stuff. And these Mandalorians, at least this cult, does not. And it's so fascinating. And yeah, I I love the how she looked around as if a. I interpret that look as both, you know, like feeling alone, but also. Uh, a, a look of like hey is everyone gone yet Can't, is it safe like she even though she doesn't believe in the you know the extreme of of you know the watch's creed she's still trying to follow along and do the right thing in this case and so she does wait until everyone leaves to take off her helmet and it's almost like oh is, am i safe is everyone gone far far enough away that i can take off my helmet it's really it, yeah so well done
1: so well done yeah that's interesting i my read is that i i feel like we're gonna see bo-katan rebirth mandalore and the mandalorian mm-hmm. yep and it mm-hmm. is this scene in particular like this entire episode her experiences is getting to experience the other side a more traditional side of Mandalorian culture and i don't think she'll remain here no no but no, no no i think they do such a great job of just making it Making it clear, you know where where she stands and what she believes, and think, with, mm-hmm. where we're gonna go.
0: Exactly, she has to see the value in both sides. Um, she has, to, you know, there's the there's a lot of value in what the in the extremes that the watch has. Maybe not quite that far, but you know the 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 fact they they're all so loyal, so committed, right? The 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 belief, the shared drive, you know, to kind of all bond together. Whereas her Mandalorian is just kind of scattered because n- there is no leadership. There is no um, faith, really, right? And and so I think she's realizing that you need some of that faith, but maybe not to the point where you never take off your helmets, right? There's a, there's a balance. Um, but I think she's realizing that and w- will try to take the best of both sides. And presumably, actually, there's many other perspectives among the Mandalorians, so, so maybe the best of all sides, right? But you can kind of see how she's starting to try to build a a shared understanding and bridge between the different Mandalorian sects.
2: And if she ends up being the leader of the Mandalorians, that's what's going to make her one of the stronger leaders, because she can completely understand all sides of it, or in this case, her side being not part of the cult, but understanding where they're coming from and seeing that strength and figuring out a way to where they can work together and bring basically the mandalorians back to mandalore exactly yeah Yeah. the pieces are all coming together yep
0: yep um also i I have to as a side note the the setting was just beautiful of of the episode it really it honestly looks a lot like sedona arizona maybe um but it's just gorgeous scenery I, i think it was really really pretty some of the effects were a little off like when uh Paz lands both times it just looks a little little fake um mm-hmm. i think Andor maybe did a better job in the effects department but the show still looks beautiful it's 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 yeah. really great and that 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 fight sequence with the with the raptor oh man
2: <laughs> that that was another one where you're watching this just going okay again you're thinking one of them is gonna not all the mandalorians are gonna make it and you're watching this, and yes, every once in a while it was kind of hard to follow because there was like, I think, too many quick cuts mm-hmm. going on. Yep. But I thought the ending of that fight was great.
0: Yeah. I thought Ragnar lost his helmet for a minute. And then the second time I watched, I realized, oh no, it was Bo's pauldron. Um, but it was, it was pretty cool, you know. And of course, to see the raptor eaten up by that dinosaur turtle, there's always a bigger fish. <laughs> It was it was very well done. But at least they they rescue them. Also, I I want to get your thoughts on the the most surprising thing. So for me at least, so so throughout the whole episode, Paz keeps calling Ragnar, you know, hey the the kid or the boy, right? And like, oh don't you know, don't shoot, we're gonna hurt, it would hurt the boy or whatever. And then at the very end, he sees a heat signature. He rushes in saying, "That's my son." and it's like whoa wait that came out of that came out of nowhere um i found it odd that he never called ragnar his son until the very last moment and i don't know is it part of the mandalorian culture just to know their foundlings and or is it
1: i don't know what what do you guys think i suspect it's a cultural thing um the other option might be that he's just he was afraid of being taken off the mission because he was too too involved or you know, not able to distance himself from it. And that would have been correct, you know? Like, as soon as he sees what he thinks is his son, he runs off and, like, wrecks the plan. So you can't really disagree if that's yeah. why he was maybe trying to hide it.
2: See, Eric and I talked about this because I I look at it from this point of view. He, He's like, well, it, it he was like, it's his son. I go, but wait a minute. If the kid is a foundling, think of it as Din Djarin is the one that found Grogu. Okay. So basically it's almost like it's his son. The same thing here. Maybe it was Paz who found Ragnar and he's treated him like a son. May not be blood, but in a way, it's almost like in Mandalorian culture, if you're the one that found him, it's almost like, let's say, an adoption. And it ends up that's that's now considered his son. It's true. Yeah, we don't
1: even know for sure that it's
2: his actual son.
1: Correct.
0: Yeah, that's or, true. Well, yeah, sorry, like I should adoptive. say biological
2: son. But yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, definitely
0: it, an actual son. But yeah, is he yeah. biological or not? Yeah,
2: yeah. So it's it, th- that's how I took it. You know, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting, but regardless, um, they they get back to the um, they get back to the base, the covert, and uh they apparently they, they captured the the little um the the raptor chicks and i have to imagine those mandalorians are going to be flying them at some point right the the old the yeah, mandalorians in, in kotor right weren't they flying Absolutely. creatures
1: um i mean they had basilisks in kotor which aren't they were like mechanical beasts i don't remember them having like raptors that they rode but i may be a little fuzzy on to be honest
2: But it also goes along with Boba Fett saying that he's ridden bigger beasts before he got on the back of, um, oh, God, I'm blanking at it. Um, You know, so it it goes along with the culture of the Mandalorians. If they can actually conquer a beast. Then it works that they're going to end up raising these raptors and flying them. Yeah, Yeah, I I can see
1: it. I hope that's what they're going to do.
2: There is a small
1: possibility what they were actually trying to do is just showcase that, you know, the Mandalorians are accept all kinds. They see orphans and they adopt them into the culture. Um, I hope we see them ride them because obviously that would be cool. Um, Maybe better than we saw in Book of Boba Fett, ideally. But I I guess I guess we'll see.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think it's a matter of time personally. <laughs> it just seems like something that, you know, they'd want to highlight, you know, Mandalorian's are riding the big creature. Also like in not just in Kotor, but like in um the holiday special uh, you know, cartoon sequence, right? Where Boba Fett's introduced. He's riding a big creature. I I think it's just it's a matter of time. It's a matter of time.
1: Yeah. Uh, Absolutely.
0: But ultimately, this this whole ordeal really serves to bring Din and Bo closer to the rest of the Mandalorians, right? I think we've seen really for the last two seasons Paz Vizsla doesn't really like Din Djarin. He never has, right? They they duel in those the the two Mandalorian episodes in Book of Boba Fett. Um it's a there's definitely a, a many instances of them butting heads and and also with bo katan right he clearly doesn't like bo katan when she arrives either and in this episode i think they actually reconcile it looked like it at least you know he, he was so appreciative of them saving his son and that's nice to see and then of course sorry. sorry go ahead tom
2: no i was gonna say i i, I completely agree you know and that i i agree so continue yeah
0: and then, of course, um, we get the, the fascinating scene at the very end of the episode where the armorer makes Bo-Katan a new pauldron with a mythosaur on it. She requests the mythosaur. And, and I want to get your take on this. Bo actually tells the armorer about the mythosaur. And I don't think she believed her.
1: Like, I, what's, I, what's, I, what's your, okay, take, on 100% no. what's your no. take on this? What's your take on this? Okay, Steven, you go first. No, the armor doesn't believe it. And it's I coming from such like a spiritual place, I think she just it's like uh I don't even have an equivalent, but like there's no like she cannot, she knows for a fact that the Mythosaurs are gone. It's not possible in her mind that there is one that remains. So why, like, how would that? How would it be here? That's just, it doesn't make sense. And I, I think that's why she reacts as she does, but like, it's just, it's so far beyond the realm of possibility. It doesn't even occur to her.
2: And I was going to say, didn't I mention, I think a couple episodes back, I think that was the mentality I saw in, in the armor at that point, that it is a myth. They do not exist. I don't believe it. It's a children's story and children's stories. Basically, you know, for her, in some children's stories, there is that little ring of truth. Mm-hmm. But in this case, when it comes to the mythosaur, no, it, it's a myth. I mean, just, just you, you were dreaming, you, you're, you're bringing Jinjarin up from the depths and it could have been the bends at that certain point before you got up to the, the water. Mm-hmm. It could have been anything like that. You never saw what you saw. So I agree. I, I think she basically in, in, in so many words is inter- internally laughing it off, saying this girl's crazy.
0: That was my original interpretation too but now i go back and forth right because on the one hand i f- i definitely think she didn't believe her initially right she's she, she says she sees she says she says she saw the mythosaur and she's been like yeah if you choose to walk the way of the mandalore you will see many things and bokachan's like no but it was real and and then she says this is the way and i'm like hmm either she just doesn't believe her and is brushing her off right uh or does she know that the mythosaur is there and was like testing her at first? I don't know i, I I'm leaning towards she doesn't believe it's it was just such a fascinating interesting response to to that both the fact that bocatan told anyone in general that's shocking to me. Mm-hmm. I thought she' was gonna keep it a secret she doesn't even tell din and now she's telling this random arm or at least she has a she she trusts din whereas this Armor is the leader of this cult she hates, right? It's so interesting. I'm I for one cannot wait to see where
1: they go next week. Yeah, I'm I continue to be impressed with how far they move the story forward here, mm-hmm. like I don't know. I'm, season 1 and 2 of Mandalorian both struggled with this like, ah, we're going on side quests the entire time and they that is other than last episode which I'd argue it's more world building than side questing. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. They just, they've done a great job of like moving things forward. And I really, really appreciate it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think
0: this, I feel like the season could have a little bit more of a sense of a little bit more of a sense of urgency or like a, we're a destination. Right. We don't really know like in previous seasons. Okay. The goal is to get Grogu back to, you know, like first he was to complete his mission, right. Return Grogu in. Then it's like, okay, we gotta save him. And the next season was like, okay, we need to go find – we need to find his his people, probably the Jedi. This season, I don't really know what the objective is next, and I would – I wish we had
1: a little bit more of a sense of that. But you know why that is, right? Because I would argue season two is pretty clear that Grogu was not intended to be in season three. And – I think the goal of this season was the rediscovery of Mandalore, both the planet and the people and the culture Mm -hmm. and this unification between Din and Mm -hmm. um, Mm Bo-Katan. And Grogu is, it's why I think a lot of his stuff is like kind of on the side is because it's, it's a B plot that they introduced because they they had to. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think as well, it is a, um, it like I mean, I think you could argue the last episode was maybe a budget thing, or they're trying to like build out the Mandoverse, or you know, however you want to describe it. But I think that's what we're seeing is exactly that. Like it's mm-hmm. it was not intended to be this way. Yeah, it's interesting. It's an interesting theory.
2: It will be interesting going into the next episode where they're gonna take the story next. Because now they've basically set up almost two stories from last episode. Because you still have Dr. Pershing out there. What happened to him? And then where are they going to go with the Mandalorian plot now with Bo-Katan saying that she saw a mythosaur and the armorer knows it? So now you've got... They're going to have to go back to the Pershing plot at some point because that plot involves Grogu. So now going forward, how is all this going to work together at this point?
0: Yeah. I don't know. I... Yes. Yeah, it's fascinating. I I thought the whole season's urgency was gonna be like we're gonna want go to go Mandalore, and clearly they did that so fast. And now it's like, oh wow, where could they go? There's so many different ways. I think it's gonna be more about like you know unifying the Mandalorians. I just don't know what they're gonna do next. I don't know. It's it's exciting though. I it, it's been fun so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, shall we get into our got rating?
2: It. Yeah, I got it. one thing I want to throw out there. Got to give Carl Weathers props for directing this episode. I mean, just oh, outstanding yeah. to this episode. He did a good job. Oh yeah, I
0: love it. He did a phenomenal Definitely. job. So.
2: Yeah. Cool.
0: Well. well, well, well. Um. Uh Here we go. Yeah, Tom, you wanna you want?
2: Yeah, I'll things go off? first. Yeah, I'll go. I'll go first. Um, I'm giving the episode an eight point seven five. I, I would go higher. I do agree. There is a little bit little things here and there. Like um, that, like I the, the one thing that kind of got me was when they were actually fighting the raptor toward the end, and it was just sometimes a little bit too quick of the cutting, um, kind of hard to follow. But still, overall, I just love the episode, and I think the discussion we had totally proves it. And I've said enough during the discussion that that I, I justify giving it an eight point seven five. So my eight point seven five Womp rats um they were actually off by themselves doing their own little fighting battles to the side with their own little guy who's keeping an eye on them and judging them on you know the the, their their little fights because they are actually their own little covert that are going to have their armor at some point but they have to work their way into this covert to get the armor so it's the best of the Womp Rats win to get into the Covert. So those 8.75 are fighting each other to figure out who's going to be the one that actually gets into the Covert to become a Mandalorian. So that's long way to go. Steven, you're up.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, I think I'm in line with you. Like, I'm going to give it an 8.5 out of 10. Like, it's just... To me, this is what The Mandalorian is meant to be, Um, you know, like it's not galactic spanning drama or, you know, trying to piece together, you know, the First Order necessarily. Like it's it is the story of Din Djarin and and his journey. Um, And I I think the addition that they've done in the season with Bo-Katan has been just fantastic and has added a, a huge depth. Um. I'm obviously not the biggest fan of like a lot of the Grogu stuff. It feels kind of tacked on to me, and I just I wish I wish Grogu could be more interactive and feel more real to me. Um, but obviously, I understand why that is a challenge, um, you know, and and where we'll go from here. I I hope, and the fact that they're advancing him does give me hope that we'll improve and get to see something a little bit different from him uh, in time. So yeah, eight and a half out of ten, and. The, I mean, I'm trying to say, I should have come up with something cool, but I guess, you know, the obviously the Mandalorians are gonna to need to feed the baby raptors, which is it's why it's a good thing. They've got, you know, a nice uh, you know, womp rat farm that they keep for themselves, you know. It's good for food, good for rations, good to feed the pets, you know. It's, you know, it's all around helpful is what I'm saying. Just dangle so, a couple uh, of juicy womp rats over the over the chicks. What? Well, <laughs> I mean, you gotta train them somehow, right? And um, wow. You know, I, it's probably going to happen off screen, but I look forward to the scene where Din Djarin has to, you know, swallow the womp rat and then, like,
2: regurgitate it for the babies.
1: But <laughs> oh, yeah, that, I suspect they'll leave that off screen just for.
2: Okay, just for but yeah. it's going to have to be because he's going to have to remove his helmet to do. Well, he, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So. All right, William. Yeah.
0: yeah so. I <laughs> Hey, I really enjoyed this episode. This was really fun. You know, I think it had something for everyone. It had some action. It had uh, Grogu, for those who, like my wife, absolutely love Grogu. It's not enough in the last episode for her. Um, It's great to see Grogu growing up a little bit more. Seeing the flashback with Ahmed Best, awesome, awesome. Love seeing Order 66. Love that Ahmed Best gets to play such a key role. I do think his... We're getting the Ahmed best universe with, uh, you know, Jar Jar Binks and, uh, uh <laughs> Keller Unbeck uh, saving Grogu. That's my theory and I'm sticking with it. Um, yeah, it was a great episode. I enjoyed it. I gotta give it, I gotta agree with you guys. Eight and a half Womp Rats out of 10. Um, and you know, these eight and a half Womp Rats, they're, uh, they're actually, they're the ones who, uh, They, 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 when the Order 66 started, Keller and Beck reached out to his eight and a half Womp Rats to send word to Jar Jar, and they're the ones who helped ensure that that ship was ready and waiting for them while he went and rescued Grogu. So, you know, the Womp are the saviors of the the story as well as as they should be. Exactly, exactly. Absolutely. (laughs) Oh, this was fun, guys. As always, enjoyed talking with you. Uh that's always so much fun to talk to Star Wars and Mandalorian. Um uh, coming up this week we have ooh big big stuff. We've got the Bad Batch season 2 finale. It's a two-parter on Wednesday uh as well as the Mandalorian chapter 21. We're now halfway through season 3. This is a big one. We've got lots of stuff coming up at you guys, so stay tuned for that. And yeah, we'll we'll be back later. Uh, probably not on Wednesday, unlike the last few Bad Batch episodes. We actually the 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 season finale was not sent out, so we will we'll be reviewing it as soon as we can. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to dig in with you guys and discuss both the season finale of the Bad Batch, what will happen, as well as the Mandalorian chapter 21. So we'll be back next
2: week. Talk to you guys later. Thank you for listening to the Ion Cannon Podcast, your source for entertainment reviews from a galaxy far, far away. For over a decade, Ion Cannon has covered every corner of the saga, from the films and animated series like The Clone Wars and Rebels, to books, comics, games, and more. If you like what you hear, please rate us in your favorite podcast client. Your review will help this show grow within the Star Wars community. We can be found at our website, ioncannoncast.com, and you can follow us through Facebook and Twitter. To email us, you can do so at contact at ioncanoncast.com. The Ion Cannon podcast is not associated with Lucasfilm, the Walt Disney Company, or any and all of their respective trademarks or copyright holders. Any opinion expressed on the show are that of the hosts. This podcast is a production by fans, for fans, and is copyright 2018.